Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Welcome everybody to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast. This is the latest in our weekly update series, and I'm joined today by our co-hosts, Tom Meehan and Tony D'Onofrio. And of course, big news is we can continue here at the LPRC to work now with two presidents uh, on crime science, Tom Meehan of Control Tech and Tony D'Onofrio now of Sensormatic, part of the uh, overall team out there. And what we want to do is talk about a little bit around the world on crime and loss prevention. Right now, we're in heavy preparation for the 2023 LPRC Impact Conference. Um, we've got all of our content identified. Uh, the team is each working on putting together their slide decks. We've got a template, of course. We're working with our co-speakers. We always like to have one or more retail practitioners, uh, as well as if it's called for a solution partner, law enforcement partner, whoever else might have been working on that project with us. Um, Again, the content at LPRC Impact can be a little different than other conferences in that most of it is by and large evidence-based, based on survey, offender interview, uh, experimental, uh, data analytic, uh, or a combination of those types of research to gain more understanding about problem dynamics, gain more understanding about uh, much more precise and targeted solution sets, and some sometimes rigorous to very rigorous assessment or evaluation of the impact of whatever treatment or intervention or countermeasures are applied. So uh, it's pretty neat. We like to get uh, add a lot of spice. We have polling and questions Q and A as part of each and every session. Uh, we have props in the room, uh, things to bring it alive, uh, and so on. So impact, we try it across the board to make it a lot different experience. Clearly, uh, having social events uh, at the UF Innovate Hub, inside and outside, touring the labs, uh, talking about research with the researchers, looking at the collaboration that's going on with solution partners between them, between them and retailers and our research team. Uh, now, I don't even know the number. We're well over 300 solutions across all of our six interior and our one exterior lab area that, we're, that we have at the UF property. Um, now, we're also talking about and showing and demonstrating with interactive maps the field research areas that we're starting to work in, the east side, the west side of Gainesville, Port St. Lucie, uh, and then we're in heavy prep for Atlanta and Albuquerque as well. Uh, those maps are underway uh, as we prep to go in there. Um, we also like to go into the social environments at the uh, Wright Student Union where the conference is hosted. It's a big, beautiful, very modern uh, facility, absolutely beautiful in there. Um, it's a neat place to explore. Uh, and right in the heart of the campus right there in a very pretty area, uh, a big, huge, open, grassy, treed mall uh, and so forth. And then, of course, having the social events in the swamp uh, over there makes it especially interesting. Um, We'll be doing something with UFPD's new public safety complex. Uh, And in fact, some of us are heading over there today uh, at 930 this morning to meet with the University of Florida Police Department uh, executives or command staff, as well as the, uh, the safety people that are based there that work on tabletops. So we're going to be doing some joint planning on that 
uh, particularly for the integrate part of Ignite. And that's our winter planning meeting uh, February on uh, UF campus. So we're excited about all that. We're working on uh, different types of deterrent countermeasures across the double bow tie. Um, if you're not familiar with the double bow tie, we invite you to come into impact, spend some time with us or come in and whiteboard us, excuse me, whiteboard with us as we do strategic planning, but also uh, demonstrating how we look at the offender journey. Um, a big part of this uh, is creating dilemmas for would-be offenders or crews, the things that we put up and out there that they've got to figure out that we, at each and every point, we're trying to persuade them to desist, not progress their crime event, their journey to harm somebody else, to, to take their possessions, to threaten, intimidate, or worse with them. So uh, a lot of discussion around that. We had uh, a top professor for the University of Florida's ECE, or Electrical and Computer Engineering uh, Department in the Wertheim College of Engineering, um, working on potential sensor alignment. Um, we're going to be having some CISE, or Computer Information Sciences and Engineering, in other words, computer science. Uh, folks coming over, uh, we're talking about looking at some new technology that's just been deployed for law enforcement when they pull over vehicles. Uh, that they can first contact them by their phone and uh, before they walk up, <clears throat> possibly re reducing anxiety, tension, confrontation, so forth. So the, the beauty of having now our growing team here at the LPRC is also getting to interact with world-class, I mean, absolutely world-class faculty and graduate students across all types of disciplines. We've got this week also Professor Kong Hyo coming by, uh, and she is a, a world-renowned expert in creating uh, VR, virtual environments, particularly retail environments and outdoor environments. We've used those environments for testing, uh, particularly female fear of crime in parking areas and understanding all those factors, which we've discussed before. So we're taking that to the next level. She has some students uh, to work on creating our environments for active assailant scenarios to get more and better data. Uh, there's been some preliminary work done by Kong and her team and some of the team that we've got here in what we call Operation Safe Court, which is engineering and criminology and uh, urban planning, interior design, architecture, uh, and of course, digital worlds where Kong is uh, in creating the virtual environment. So a lot of collaboration uh, and collective activity here. Uh, a whole lot going on as per always. Some of you all have seen on social media, we've had the the leadership from uh, Ralph Lauren, from Rite Aid, uh, from Harbor Freight, um, and many others coming through here to spend a day with us. Uh, solution partners like Axis. Uh, we just had a group in here from Publix and At Home uh, and TJX uh, and Ahold and some other uh, Bloomingdale's and so on. So continually bringing in the top leaders in the industry uh, to brainstorm with us, for us to learn, for them to learn, but to think and stretch and test and to bring them into an environment where uh, we've got hundreds of solutions arrayed, looking at integrations, but this place that they can come in, it's independent and assess things. So almost too many things to talk about. Uh, we do have a new research scientist too. Uh, Caleb Boyer has just joined. He is just finishing his PhD in uh, computer engineering and with a, a specialty in machine learning. Uh, 
uh, complex uh, AI modeling and so forth. He's the one that's working with me already and uh, Sam and some of the other team here on arraying sensors and AI models along the offender journey to crime so that we're thinking about every aural, digital, and visual signal or signature that an offender, their crime tools and weapons, their vehicles, and so forth emit or their features of them that might be inferenced um, to give us an earlier and better defined warning to a decision maker uh, so that we might head some of these people off the offending track and save lives and, and assets. So with no further ado, let me turn this over to Tony D'Onofrio. Tony, if you would, take it away. Thank you, Reed, again, for all that great information. This week, I want to focus on, on some updates that I delivered on the state of retail at the Access Retail Leadership Forum, which uh, was held in California. Let me start by saying that LPRC was well represented by a presentation by one of our producers, Diego Rodriguez, who did a great, um, really job on presenting and sharing all the activities that are taking place at the Loss Prevention Research Council. The audience was 73 individuals representing 43 retailers, and the meeting was held at the Google Cloud Innovation Center in Silicon Valley. As the event was sponsored by Axis, I opened my presentation by asking the question, in which country was the CCTV camera invented? The choices were the United States, China, uh, Germany, or Japan. And the answer is Germany. Uh, the CCTV camera was invented during World War II by the Germans to watch remotely the launch of their V-2 rockets as they sometimes tended to explode on launch. The first mass use of CCTV cameras was the coronation of Queen Elizabeth in the 1950s, and this is probably when London started acquiring the reputation as one of the most video surveilled cities in the world. There are currently nearly a million cameras installed just in London or roughly one CCTV camera per 10 people. If you do go to London, you are likely to be captured on CCTV up to 70 times a day. All this data is from Clarion UK as of 2022. Also interesting that in 2021, the world overall crossed over 1 billion cameras installed with China and the United States having the most. If you look at the top 10 cities with the most CCTV cameras per thousand people, the top four cities I was, it was actually interesting to find out are in India. Number five is Singapore, and London is actually still number 10. In the presentation that I did, I provided an update to the audience on the state of the world economies using July 2023 data from the International Monetary Fund and the OAECD. Globally, gross domestic product is projected at 3% for 2023, uh, growth and 3%, uh, again, GDP growth in 2024, according to the IMF. This is actually an improvement from the last forecast earlier this year. For advanced economies such as the United States, the projected growth overall for all the advanced economy is projected at just 1.5% in 2023 and 1.4% in 2024. And this is a dramatic decline from the 2.7% GDP growth in advanced economies that they saw in 2022. All this data is from the International Monetary Fund. Again, uh, if you look at the OECD data, they look they show that the United States this year will grow at just 1.6%, which is actually slightly better than the global average. But next year, for 2024, they're projecting that growth will only be 
1%. To that same audience, I also ask a second question, which I thought was very interesting. Which countries have the highest theft per 100,000 people? The choices were United States, United Kingdom, Denmark, and Sweden. The answer, again, was very uh, interesting and surprising. The number one country with the highest theft per 100,000 people is actually Denmark, followed by Sweden. I commented that this was interesting, that, uh, that multiple of the Scandinavian countries are also included every year as some of the happiest countries in the world. And Scandinavia, again, includes uh, Denmark, includes Sweden, and includes Norway and Finland. But what, what is this really uh, data telling us? Hmm, what's the correlation between happiness and theft? That, that's something to go investigate. Uh, but I didn't do it for this uh, presentation. The data that I shared was actually from World Statistics, which is, they regularly publish on Twitter. I continued in my presentation and reminded the audience that retail is a very vibrant industry that will keep on growing into the future. In 2023, according to eMarketer, retail as an industry is valued at over $30 trillion. It will rise to nearly $34 trillion by 2026. Retail e-commerce will keep on growing, but at a slower pace. By 2024, 2026, 24% of total retail will be online. This means that 76% of total retail sales in 2026 will still be in physical stores. So stores are not going away. They're actually the opposite, becoming much more important in making online sales more profitable. One of the stats that I shared is that online orders cost retailers 10 to 15% more than purchases made in physical stores. For the first time, I also share some forecasts for the 2023 holiday season. And I project that this year, holiday sales in the United States will grow 4 to 6%, just over 80% of the holiday spend this year will be in physical stores. Also interesting this holiday season, AI will influence $194 billion in global online spend. Buy online and pick up in stores will drive an incremental $28 billion in uh, spend globally, and social media advertising will drive 10x more holiday shopping visits than traditional market. And finally, 17% of gifts this holiday season will be resold or used items saving 32 billion pounds of waste from landfill. Uh, in the presentation, I also shared the five hottest technologies for retailers, which are defined as those that have, and um, uh, for retail winners or retail leaders, and retail winners are defined those that had 10% growth or more the previous year. And the five hot technologies in 2022 were RFID, updated point of sale, microservices, edge computing, and extended communications into the parking lot. For 2023, the top five technologies are currently projected to be geolocation solutions, tools for associates, electronic shelf labels, mobile checkout, and for this audience, loss prevention prescriptive analytics. The top five technology analysis in both 22 and 23 is from the IHL group, and this is great data that I think we need to keep in mind. I ended my presentation by stating that loss prevention is at a critical moment in importance. Over 200 retailers at the CEO and CFO level brought up the problem of shrink in the last round of earnings call. I reminded the audience that more needs to be done, including improved uh, loss prevention technologies, improved legal frameworks around controversial technologies, 
and organized retail crime, and stronger partnership between retailers, law enforcement, solution providers, government entities, and industry groups such as the Loss Prevention Research Council. According to NRF, six in 10 retailers believe that a federal organized retail crime law is required to address the challenges of professional thieves. And I do believe that loss prevention, by stepping up to the opportunity that is around us right now, where all the step has the potential to get into the C-suite. And I think the Loss Prevention Research Council can actually help with all the great data and research that we do. So a really great week. I really uh, enjoyed spending time with the retailers and the Google people because it was at the Google facility and engaged with the Google teams and the access team. So great job, Diego. And with that, let me turn it over to Tom. Well, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Reed. Uh, lots to talk about. It'll be brief. I'm overseas traveling. I think we're all traveling this week. But wanted to give a couple updates, some old, some new, uh, some recaps, but thought it would be relevant to just start with the cybersecurity space. Uh, a couple different updates. Some uh, uh, you may have actually heard or experienced before, but I think it's important to to just kind of reiterate and talk about them again. One piece is that there has been a resurgence, if you will, of ATM skimming. So I know that we spoke about a tap and pay, a tap uh, and pay or tap and access your ATM in, in the past episodes and how uh, bad actors were taking advantage of this. But just good old skimming has seemed to resurface in a big way. So there was actually some guidance given out to grab and hold and give it a wiggle, uh, ATM machines are seeing an uptick of skimming throughout the globe. Uh, and, you know, uh, there's a tremendous amount out on the internet now of actual keypads that are over and <clears throat> the actual changing out of card access ports. One of the, the things as technology advances, you now do not have what I would say is the old age of skimming that some of us grew up with where it was an insert that was very obvious. Now you're getting exact copies of inserts that slide over the keypads that were shared in some of these recent videos were really very well done keypads that arguably were with adhesive were put right over top. And then <clears throat> there's a Bluetooth connection so some, uh, or a, a device that is when you go by, um, they can actually collect the data with a Bluetooth. So one of the things I think that there is a bit of a misconception about is that the chip and signature in the United States it will protect the consumer. It is not the same as chip and pin overseas uh, because the, in a lot of cases it still will work. When someone is at your ATM card, if they're, get, if they're able to read that card and get that pin number, they uh, essentially have access to your funding. If they do not get that pin number, there are some things they can do with that card number, not as much as before. And as you travel abroad, you'll notice that you have different levels of exposure. Myself, personally, I noticed that in several foreign countries, when you're checking into hotels, they're taking a picture of your passport, which is very common, common um, uh, practice, especially in, in smaller hotels that don't have the systems. And what they're doing, they're using a mobile device, but you're essentially taking a picture of someone's passport and then, again, taking a picture of uh, sometimes their credit card, which uh, that allows them to have some of that information. Now, I think from a consumer fraud perspective, a photo of a credit card protects you pretty well. Uh, when they have a PIN number, you have a whole nother layer of challenging. So what can you do uh, when you're out and about at, at these ATMs? 
um, look around, take a, take a quick peek. If something doesn't seem right, it probably isn't. I think this is one of the age-old things we always talk about here. If it, it, if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. If your intuitions are up and you're looking at an ATM and just the keypad looks funny or the something doesn't look right and, and it wiggles – you know, opt for a different scenario, go somewhere else. If you're out in the Midwest on a car trip and you stop at a gas station and there is something that looks off, again, take a take a peek, see what you can come up with and just practice super good hygiene. I know that we had um, years back uh, on the on the, the podcast, and I think this, this individual actually was out of UF, developed a technology to, to detect skimming, but it's not just about traditional skimming. It's about how these thing uh, how these scams advance and some of the things that are occurring so not 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 a new problem but a resurgence of a problem that's been around all for a very long time next fbi warning is about scams that lure in, or entice you into using beta apps so if you've ever gotten a message from an app developer legitimately saying you use this app you can we're looking for beta testers to test our apps Basically, what that means is there's a new app there out there, and they're looking for an end user to test the app. When in software terminology, beta it usually means testing. It's important to note that sometimes you'll get an email about alpha testing. iOS and Android are built very differently, but they have similar challenges on iOS. One of the things that occurs when you're a beta test tester is you download an app called Test Flight, and what Test Flight does is it allows you to put an application on an iPhone that isn't necessarily gone through the same security protocols or process that a finished app would. Still, there's still a process here. I think it's important to note that this is where iOS, Apple, and Android are very different. This doesn't mean that your everyday person can just go in and make an app and get it, get it out there. Test Flight does have some requirements, but the reality is, by design, it's made to go outside the Apple Store, which allows them to have um, different things occur. There is a, a rash of applications out there that are taking advantage of this by installing malicious code on iOS devices. So if you want to be a beta tester, which I, I think some of our listeners probably would be, you really have to take the time to make sure that this comes from a, a, a reputable source. You know, In my full-time job at Control Tech, it's often uh, we have customers that we beta test apps with that we go to and say, there's a new version coming. We'd like you to to try this version and give us feedback. It is a very common practice. And, um, you know, while I would say that it's it's not it's a little bit more personal probably for us because we're working with these customers every day. The reality is the process is we have an app. Uh, we're going to load it through um a test flight and you're going to load it on your machine and, and we're going to work with you as opposed to launching that full app through the app store and going through the process. So bad actors are taking advantage of that. In the Android space, it's a little different. You can actually be given an APK file, an actual file that could be sent to you via link and you can download that onto your device. Now, there are there are protections in place to protect you on Android, which uh, but they're mostly prompting driven. Like, you know, you'll get a message saying, is this a trusted source before you install this? You know, make sure that you know that 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 you understand this is not a an app store app. This is also extremely common, especially in the development space. And I would argue that retailers do this pretty regularly through their IT departments. Where, all right, here's a test version. Let me know how it goes. Here's a version that you can manage, uh, you know, through your MDM. So it matters device management software giving that. 
with all of these things, it all goes back to trusted sources and doing the due diligence. If someone's offering you something as a personal personal device, a consumer device program that is normally cost something and they're saying, hey, this is free, that's the first red flag. You know, you, you generally businesses don't give things away for free um, unless there's some sort of incentive. So if you're beta testing a weather app, for instance, and the reason I use this is because um, I travel a lot. I use a lot of weather and travel apps that you're already paying a subscription to. That is a little bit different than getting an outreach out of the blue saying, hey, we'd love for you to test this. We saw you downloaded this. We'd love for you to test this. Go through the process. There is a false sense of security given when you have to go through a process like uh, test flight, download an app, do this. Um, It creates this false sense of security. And the the scammers are doing a really good job of saying, we know that this process is laborious, but it's to protect you. And there is this impression of control given by them because the process is more laborious on iOS. At the end of the day, these hackers or bad actors are loading malicious code that sometimes steals information, gathers information in real time, or just outright is disruptive. It's very, very important to stay vigilant when you're doing any type of software testing. Um, The United States, we've seen a a very, very... um, Large increase in attacks on the healthcare system. So about two weeks ago, and uh, let's see the date here. I want to make sure I'm, I'm right on the dates. But for the first, towards the end of the first week of August, there was a substantial uh, um, amount of attacks around healthcare. It's hard to say if they just were coincidental or um, actually connected. There's some reports to show they were connected. There's some reports to show they coincidental. But one of the things here is just uh, we are all targets all of the time. And I think that it's very important to make sure that you're constantly, both at home and at work, uh, aware of patching, updating, using good hygiene. If you have children in the house, if you have elderly folks in the house, ensuring that that education awareness is more and more fluid is really, really important to stay safe. Um, <clears throat> snakes in airplane mode was the was the headline that Naked Security put uh, on an iOS device. There was a vulnerability identified that when you're in airplane mode, you could still be connected to. I'm not going to get too far into this. I think that the bottom line here is that uh, when we're using technology, uh, to be very aware that sometimes there's a false sense of security and that if you have that device in hand, it's a device in hand and it is. And what I like to say is an entry point into your life. I talk about digital risk footprint. When we carry two phones and have a smartwatch and have a, an iPad with us, a, a laptop with us, we increase our digital, land, uh, digital footprint. We're increasing the risk landscape personally and professionally for us. So as opposed to getting too far into the weeds because it's fairly technical, when you have a device with you, you understand that it's a point of entry for a bad guy. That's the best way I could say it. So when you turn a device into airplane mode, be aware that with some devices – especially now, now that these devices are still accessible. This is driven by design uh, a lot of times so that if you lose a phone, it, it's able to be found. So I think it's very, very, very important to talk to, you know, talk through when you're buying devices that you're using for work with your IT department, what the risk uh, load is and what you should be aware of. Uh, two stories, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Tony and, and Reed. Uh, one is smart light bulbs uh, could give away your password secretly. Be very, very aware of smart devices. This goes right alongside what we just spoke about, increasing your digital footprint um, and your risk plans to increasing. Is the more devices that are connected, the more risk you will, will have in your home and in businesses. IoT devices, 
you know, are expected to continue to grow. And I, I would argue at this point, everything's connected. You know, that's what I say when people say connected devices. We're, we're in the, the quasi stage of life where the reality is just about everything we do has connectivity, light bulbs, refrigerators, toasters, things at home. You know, it's important to understand when you're buying a smart home device, who makes it? Is it a reputable brand? Uh, go through the basic principles of electronics before you put that to the network. This is a hard one because you have just tons of companies making smart light bulbs and smart devices at a very, very low price. And sometimes it's hard to identify who is who. The thing here is this isn't necessarily a malicious actor. So this isn't that the company that you're buying the, the, the light bulb from is bad. This is that they may not have the capability to patch at the same level as a big company or update at the same level as a bigger company. So when you're buying a device like this, it might make more sense to spend a little more and buy it from a larger, more reputable um, manufacturer so that you have at least the pseudo confidence that, hey, my assumption is if I buy this device from Samsung, there's a higher likelihood or Philips, there's a higher likelihood that they're going to be able to maintain what's needed to keep this device up to date than a smaller, no-name company. I think that this is a little bit anecdotal. So this is just be very aware of when you're on Amazon and you see things, there is a, a benefit to buying an Amazon device versus a no-name device because the, there is a perceived or assumption uh, and it's a logical one that the larger, more reputable companies will have more investment in security patches and future patches. The other thing to realize is, I know this sounds crazy, but if you have smart devices that have been on your network for many years, they may be end of life. They may be at the point where they're not patchable, uh, especially with security cameras. Um, and I'm talking consumer grade now, so be aware of that before you go out and, and do things. So if you have a camera like um, that was a you know a camera that you bought. 10 years ago or five or six years ago, that's a connected consumer grade camera. I would look at that and see, is that even a device that can be upgraded any longer? And then last, but certainly not least, and I'll leave it with this. There's been a nasty, nasty vulnerabilities in the last few weeks. Remember to patch and update your machines. If you haven't updated your smartphone, uh, your PC, your laptop, your Mac in, in, in recent times, and don't have automatic updates on, put it on. Trust me, it's probably the easiest, simplest thing to do. And it is the most um, the most important thing to do today because it takes care of those known vulnerabilities. And with that, I'll turn it back over to Tony and Reed. All right. Thanks so much, Tom. Thanks so much, Tony. Again, some fantastic information from the two presidents here uh, this morning. And I want to thank uh, our producers, Diego Rodriguez and Wilson Gavarino, uh, for their hard work in editing and trying to make us sound uh, like we're focused. And uh, I want to thank you all, the listeners. So stay in touch and let us know what else we need to be doing or what we need to do better at the LPRC. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council.